mic up. Turn my mic up. Ready on the right. Hey yo, calm down, nigga. Ready on the left. Hey yo, calm down, nigga. Ready on the right. Hey yo, calm down, nigga. Ready on the left. Oh my lord, it is time for another episode of Twisted with me, Sam Tripoli. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really excited. We got a great, 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 great uh, episode for you. Got a lot to talk about. Decided to put this out. Um, Instantly regretted it at 8.30 this morning. Was like, oh, I can't believe I got up this early. But I did. Uh, I'm proud to announce that uh, I don't need to go see the movie The Transporter because I got from the Hollywood Bowl over to the studio, uh, just let Aaron know, in 10 minutes. That is some psycho driving. The amount of laws I had to break to get here on time to do this show because I'm dedicated to rocking is uh, just to let you know, like, I care. I'm willing to, I'm willing to. I'm only put up a couple points on my driver's license to get here so I can rock hard. Everybody, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate everything. I appreciate you guys all uh, tweeting me on Twitter at Sam Tripoli. Uh, my Instagram, my numbers are slowly going up at Sam Tripoli again. Uh, any likes would be greatly appreciated. I'm a weird guy. My likes go from like, I can do 20 likes, which is embarrassing, to 160 likes. I, I have the weirdest fickle followers ever and then my friends they take a picture of me like enjoying my afternoon 400 likes i don't know what i gotta do how can i just get people just to like just like me i just think i think there's a part of me like with the exception of maybe like my really big comic friends i think most people are just lying and they all just have bots who like like, I would love to get a bot. I would love to put a bot on my thing and just have it like everything. Like, eating a hot dog, living life, hashtag winning, 400 likes. Nobody does that stuff. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for uh, everything. Thank you guys for the, for uh, supporting the podcast. Uh, I got a lot of stuff I want to do with this feed. I was wondering, uh, Aaron, what do you think about if I started putting podcasts that I really like on my feed? You don't think it's a good idea? What do you mean? Like, no, 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 no. Not like jacking people's stuff. Here, you got to talk in the microphone because it sounds like he's saying he thinks it's illegal. I'm saying I find podcasts I like and go, hey, I want you on my on my feed. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Like start my own mini channel, Naughty Show mini channel of like five or six podcasts. Not that much, but a couple podcasts that I really like. That aren't getting numbers by themselves. Bring them over to my podcast channel that has a certain group of like just really, uh, really enlightened scumbags at, that will, uh, and I mean that in a loving way, by the way. Please don't get upset. I don't think you're actually scumbags, uh, but I think you got you guys get the comedy, and you guys, uh, you know, I think that's that'd be okay. Yeah, is it okay? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? It's it's new. It's a it's new idea. So. That's what I do. I don't play by the rules. Yeah. I do my own shit. Real quick, uh, dates out of the gates. Dates out of the gates. I'm just in, I'm local for in the next two weeks. Then, guys, I'm very excited. I'm going to be back out in Phoenix the second week of September. I'm at the uh, stand-up Scottsdale Club. You saw it on Bar Rescue with my friend Howard Hughes and Brandy Beavers, their comedy club. I'm going to be headlining out there. It's good to get back to Phoenix. I don't get to play it enough. 
Phoenix is great because it's nothing but eight balls and uh, waitresses at sports bars that will fuck. That's that's pretty much Phoenix, Arizona. There's something about the heat out there, the shish kebabs of brains, and they totally put out. You know, so uh, something to think about. Even though I'm not, I, 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 I'd be, I'm in a relationship, honestly. And then second is that, you know, I'm at an age where even if I wasn't in a relationship, it's like I could either go and get a burrito and go to sleep or get laid. Either one is a big win for me. I made it through my hour set without having a heart attack on stage. And now I'm going to, you know, go home and eat this fat burrito. And get fat. I like to eat at night, which is the worst thing you could possibly fucking do. But I enjoy doing it. You know, but everyone's like, oh, you got to stop eating around 9 or 10. But I stay up till 3 in the morning, so I should be able to click that back a little bit to midnight. You adjust it to your time. I stay up till 3, I get up at 9. That's weird hours, right? And then I got a power nap. I power nap. Something to think about. Um, had a great week, man. I did a lot of great shows. Lately, I've been doing a lot of great shows. I did a show recently at the Ice House. It was called the Uncensored Comedy Show, because apparently Dirty Comedy's in now. Uh, I'd like to think I had a little something to do with that, because that's my ego and my narcissism telling me, telling me that I'm the reason everybody likes Dirty Comedy now, which is totally not true, but I like to think that anyways. So I get hired by the uh, Ice House, which is one of my favorite clubs to play. It's in Pasadena. It's an old-school comedy club, one of the originals back in the day. Uh, for you guys know, it used to be prime. It used to be an all-white club. Then it became an all-Mexican club. Then Red Band came in there, kind of changed it with Death Squad. So now it's kind of a mixture of everything, and it's a really great club. It's a lot of fun. Jan Smith, the owner, is very nice to me. Always gives me spots, books me on this gig, and I play the. Uh, and uh, I'm doing an uncensored comedy show, which I'm I'm very excited. I'm co-headlining with a guy named DJ Cooch, who's a very funny comic. There's a bunch of really great Justine. Marino's on the show. A lot of fun. I get there. I find out the show after me is Joe Rogan's show. So I'm doing Uncensored first. Joe Rogan's doing something. People who enjoy comedy and laughter all go to Joe Rogan's podcast. Go to Joe Rogan's show. He sells out, rightfully so. So I get left with the scraps of uh, unfunny humanity. All the people who take everything literal. Let me just say the entire... The entire 40 people there look like every teacher's assistant you've ever seen in your life. You know, just very sensitive, worried about the children. Everybody looked like they can't stop watching CNN. That, that's my new thing. My girlfriend and I are having problems right now because she won't stop watching CNN. She's addicted to CNN. It's driving me crazy. Have I talked about this before? No? Okay. So I like every time I, I beg my girlfriend, she loves watching. She used to love to watch John Stewart, right? Because she thought it was so funny how she, they made fun of how stupid mainstream news is, right? But yet she loves to watch CNN. So she loves to watch it. Then she loves to make fun of what she's watching. When I tell her, it's like, it's all propaganda bullshit, right? I don't want to get too into the political shit, but oh, I'm going to. But uh, it's all propaganda bullshit. And like, yeah, you can always tell when white women over 35 have watched too much CNN. Because they get that those weird like day shift stripper eyes, they like they look like a day, they have the eyes of a day shift stripper who has forty cats. Like that's a that's a that's a bad combination. They're just so paranoid. It's it's and they get off on the fear. Like when girls are young, they love horror films. 
That's why. Oh, you go to horror films, all young girls love getting scared. Gets their adrenaline going. Then they get older, they like watching CNN because they love to be scared that Islamic jihadists are trying to uh, rape everybody. It just, it gets their nipples hard. They love to live in fear. And they all uh, they all want to be Sally Fields from In the Name of My Daughter or whatever that weird fucking movie was back in the day that all the Middle Easterns hate. Yeah, they just love to be in fear. So uh, the Joe Rogan show was sold out. Everybody who would have enjoyed my set was uh, at that show. And all the people who hate what I stand for came to the first show. And it was fun because nothing's like having the owner of the club in the room while you're entertaining people who don't get sarcasm. I'm going to start doing something where I go, hey, people, if you take everything literally, this is not the show for you. This might be a good time to take a smoke break while I power rock this next 15 minutes. Don't take it literal. Yeah, so that's the story. So I did that. Um, then I had a great time. Uh, I don't get to go out to see a lot, a lot of live shows. Do you, Aaron, do you go to a lot of live shows? Comedy or music? Music. Uh, I, some. Do you ever go to your friends? Do you ever get invited by your friends to go see their band? All the time. Uh, in general, how is the experience without naming names? It's pretty good. It's are, are, are the bands mostly good you go see? Let's be honest. Um... No, Not that's a no. That's lineup, a, yeah. And it's it, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah. And you're just hoping to God your buddy's band actually practices. Oh, the first time, yeah, for sure. You're like, oh, please let me know that you guys have rehearsed these songs and you're not just going up there fucking off. Well, it's the same with my friends doing comedy. Really? I mean, the first yeah, time I, guess, I see I them. I can see that. I can see that. It's like, ugh, are they going to be good? Yeah, but your buddy's, when your buddy's brand new, he's doing a set, it's it's a 10-minute spot at the most. You go to see your buddy's band, he can pay from anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes. And if it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. That's why, that's why if you ever want to not see me again, tell me, invite me to jazz night. <laughs> if you're ever like, hey, Sam, we'd love to not see you, come see us at jazz night. I know this is blasphemy in America no, to rip to rip on jazz because we invented it. It is the worst form of music I've ever heard in my life. I am it is the schizophrenia of music because it sounds like everyone's playing their own song. Yeah, you got. We're gonna play a little song called Mississippi Blues, and uh, well, I'm gonna play that. T-Bone over here is going to play Jazz Rocks. And uh, Tom Boy over there is going to play Come Home to Me, Mama. And it's like 90 different songs going on. And everyone's sitting around acting like they're enjoying it. And they're not. You know what it is? It's just white noise where you can talk to everybody and act like you're fucking cultured. It, it is. It is the biggest. It is the emperor's new clothes of fucking music. I don't care. I hope. I hope you guys hate it. I hope you hate what I'm that take on it. I don't care. I've never enjoyed myself at a jazz night. I agree 100%. Never. I I've, I've, I've gave it too many tries to ever do it again. You will not get me into a jazz night. I went and saw Prince at the Forum. Yeah. And he had Esmeralda Spaulding. She's a jazz bass player singer. Yeah. It's like, what? Why? Yeah, because everyone's like jazz, man. It's America. It's so cool. It's culture. No. Jazz is jazz is the classic what what Bach is the white people, jazz is the black people, right? It's like there, it's a form of culture. It shows you you're you're enlightened if you like jazz. You know what? Go fuck yourself. It's horrible. 
I'd rather listen to what's it techno music. What's it called now? It's not called techno. It's called EDM. EDM. I'd rather listen to EDM. Not Amali. Like the only guy in the room. Not Amali. I'd rather listen to that than listen to jazz. Because at least there's a purpose I'd in rather, Mali. I'd rather listen to Idiamin. What's that? The killer general in Africa. Oh, oh yeah. The last king just, of Scotland. What do you just want him to do? Like, uh, just I don't a know, speech. Slam poetry? Yeah, yeah. Africa, going to come out, going to kill you, going to rape your behind. That was my slam poetry from Idiamin. Whatever that guy is. Okay. All right. All right. So that, yeah. So I go see my friend, Yigasi. They call it Yigikian. It's obviously an Armenian thing. I'm big on, uh, of course, I'm Armenian. It's at the Troubadour, which is the one rock club that I've not been banned from at some point in my performing career. Like, I played the whiskey, and everyone's like, this is the club Jim Morrison got banned from. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking get banned, too. So, that, I mean, we're talking, like, 2001. I brought some chick on stage, and I ate her ass right on stage. That's a different Tripoli. That's not now. I would never do that. That's disgusting. But back then, I had to be crazy. And the place was going fucking nuts. I got off stage, and it was a charity event. I did it at a charity event. I ate this girl's butt on stage in a charity event. And uh, and and uh, the, the guy who... Uh, Producer Joe came up to me and goes, listen, I thought that's the most hilarious fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, but you got to fucking go. You're banned. My wife hates you. Okay? That's what. It's, that's the story of my life. The booker loves me. His wife hates me. That's the story of comedy right there. She probably came to the Ice House for the uncensored comedy show just to get back at me again. She hated and hated me. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I went and saw him at the Troubadour. It's one of the only clubs I haven't performed at, which I really want to do, and my buddy Yagikian, and uh, it rocked. They were, it was so cool to go see a friend show that actually shredded. Like, and not just had a, not, not where they, oh, my buddy's band's good. It's like, this band could be humongous. Do you remember Queen's Right from way back in the day? They were like, they were the first kind of band that they decided to do like a theatrical theme where they kind of had videos going in the back, which by the way, Dana Marshall, my girlfriend, her, uh, her, her, her director that she works for, he shot all the films. Fun fact for you. And, uh, well, they did that for this. So it's just me and about 150 Armos just shredding out the metal, right? And here's the thing about metal. White women have completely abandoned metal. They, white chicks hate metal. God bless thick ethnic bitches, Okay. If there wasn't thick ethnic women, no one would listen to metal. It would just be dudes in black shirts headbanging. Like, it would be like a bad World of Warcraft. Do you know what I'm saying? It would look like Dungeons and Dragons with guitars. That's what that would be. Thank God for thick ethnic bitches. Mexican girls, Armenian girls, and there were black women there. Thank you, ladies, for getting the power of rock. Because I can't just, I just like, chicks just want pop music. That's all they want. You know, my buddy's shredding in the Troubadour to 150. Taylor Swift's throw, throw, selling out the Staples Center five nights in a row. And at least I have no problem with Taylor Swift. I'm not a player hater just because you make it. I hate, I don't. I have no problem with it. She sounds like a psycho ex. Like, if you dip your stick into her, you, there's going to be a song written about you and what kind of asshole you are. She's starting to look like she's lightening up. Like I, I back. I know. I know she's really young, so it's a weird thing to say right now. But she looked like a frigid bitch. Anybody with me on that one? You're like that girl fucks 
like a a four by four. Like it's like I felt like you'd be making love to wood. Like a wood blow up doll. Getting slivers in your dick and shit like that. That that was really rude. But anyways, I went and saw my friend's band. It was awesome. It inspired me to really. I kind of watched them. It was fun to watch lead singers because they they are like comedians in a weird way. They have to get the crowd in, hook them, and then rock them. So it was fun to watch. So then I went there and I went to the comedy store and I kind of had like a a, a real breakthrough on stage, which was really cool. Uh, I finally, after 20 years of doing comedy, I've come to the conclusion I'm funny, which sounds crazy. But I'm usually I walk on stage going, please don't let this go down in a fucking ball of flames. That's you want to know what I'm thinking? I'm literally standing outside the crowd, usually going, please, God, please don't let me bomb. Please don't let me bomb. God, please. I say it 10 times. I used to say, please, 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 God. Please don't let me bomb. I don't want to bomb. And I go out there and I'll shred, right? But that this the first time ever I was on stage, you know, it's like, I'm fucking funny. And I'm going to shred. And I crushed. It was a great room. A lot of fun. Like, the comedy store is such an amazing place. Like, Judd Apatow just pops up in the stage, you know? Uh, Joe Rogan's going up there a lot. It's like, it's a really amazing place. I'm very thankful to be a part of it. I don't, you know, I get nervous that there's going to be so many famous people there that I'm going to lose all my spots. That's the fear I live in, you know, because I get it. Famous people fill the room. If you could have a comedy club that sold out tickets every night, I mean, my God. And I'm, I, you know, and I'm happy for the comedy store selling out because now they won't knock it down and turn into some EDM fucking German techno fucking building. Right? So it was a good weekend. It was a lot of fun. I took too much time on that. Lots to get into. Um, uh, I want to get into something really quick. Uh, did you see this Bill Burr thing? Did you see the Bill Burr on Conan? All right, so here we go. I love Bill Burr. I think he's one of the funniest guys working today. You want to? The best time to watch Bill Burr is not when he's in front of a packed crowd. It's when Bill Burr is learning, is working new material. That, as a comedian, is one of my favorite things to watch because that guy is not afraid to go up there and just like flatline a room. He does not care about your reaction to his new material. I mean, obviously, he wants you to laugh. But he's more doing it, I feel like, and this is just me watching, doing comedy for a while, I feel like he's doing it more for himself because he knows what's funny, what's not funny. So he's like, he's just doing it to hear himself work it out. And uh, so it's it's like, if you can ever watch Bill Burr on like an off night, go up somewhere and just do new shit. As a young comic, I couldn't, I could not recommend that more. So uh, obviously Bill Burr being one of the best comics working today, he goes, um, he goes on Conan every once in a while and does kind of rants on it. Conan will throw out whatever topics are. Or he get to, uh, Conan the topics in which he wants to discuss, and then uh, he has his take on it. So apparently, there's been a firestorm air quotes on the, his in his take of Caitlyn and Bruce Jenner, and I just want to play it because there, apparently there was a lot of outrage. Over this, what's being said. So if we could list, listen to this real quick, and then I'll give you my hot take on this. That's what killed me when Bruce became Caitlyn. That was like a national news story, like yeah. at a ridiculous level. Right. There's like baby seals washing up on the beach because there's no fish left. And they're talking to this, this lady, you know? Like, so Bruce, are you going to go, can your Olympic back handle a D? 
D-cup, or are you gonna go with like <laughs> something a little more perky? Way. I'm just saying, I miss that guy. I miss him already. <laughs> <laughs> he should have told us. He should have given us a chance to say goodbye. I love, you know, I watched him on the Olympics. Uh -huh. I watched him on Chips. I watched him on that horrible show my wife watched where he just walks around in the background. And <laughs> nobody listened to him. It's just, it was just, it was so sad. And then, I don't know, I don't know where. It's just, he just, all he's, he's Caitlin. Then you couldn't react, you couldn't on any level be like, oh my God, you know, what the F, you, on any level. You couldn't say that, or you automatically homophobic. It's yeah. like, dude, I didn't hear your inner thoughts. <laughs> I didn't know what you were doing. All of a sudden, you're supposed to... <laughs> dude, you shave your beard off. People were like, oh my God, that's your chin? Wow. <laughs> this guy walked out, a dude came back, a woman, you're just supposed to be like, oh yes, anyways, Caitlin, that's what I was saying. <laughs> crisis. <laughs> I think the bubble's creating again. It's just, God, right. God bless him. I gotta, God bless her. Sorry, they really freak out about the pronouns, too. Yeah, yeah. You say God bless him, and they're like, her! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you can see Bill's show. Does, you can see Bill's show. Does anybody remember laughter at Madison Square Garden as part of the New York Comedy Festival on November 14th? For tickets to all of Bill's tour dates, visit Bill Burr. Dot com. I love talking to this gentleman right here. I never know what he's going to say. Bill Burr. Thank Always you, thank you. Right? Bill Burr. Bill Burr on Caitlyn Jenner. How funny was that? Really fucking funny. Outrage out there over what's being said. Was anything in there rude, mean, disgusting? No. So why is this going on? Why is this there this quote-unquote firestorm going on? And it goes back to what I've always been saying. Somebody at TBS is using this to fucking promote. And it's all about clickbaiting, right? So they take this hilarious take that has a little edge to it, and now they put it out there. But, but what you do is you create an atmosphere in which now people start, people feel it's okay to get outraged about nothing. There's nothing. This is a great take on it. He's got a great take on Caitlyn Jenner. Joe Rogan's got a great take on Caitlyn Jenner. And uh, Joey Diaz has a great take on Caitlyn Jenner. But if you go through and you read some of these comments of these people, see, here's the thing. And Saturday Night Live has been doing this a lot. Do something that is acceptable uh, taboo. Kind of acceptable. Not too far. You don't drop an N-bomb. You don't drop an F-bomb when it comes to gay people. You kind of walk this line where it could be a little crazy. And then what you do, you say it. Then your PR people scour the internet to five, five or six white chicks in their 20s who fucking get pissed off on Twitter. Then you pull their tweets and you make a comment go, did da, ba, ba, go too far? Why, what is being said? And then you, then you embed these five comments from these very sheltered white women who have lived no life, who probably have zero gay friends or trans friends. Nothing's worse than the white person who gets outraged by uh, black jokes that has no black friends. I want to find, there's supposedly a documentary out there about a, uh, about white liberals who did all these, um, were always at like anti-racism rallies and then they followed them around and they had zero black friends. 
And like they would follow, and like, and then like a, a black person went in their house and they freaked the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 just it's it's ridiculous. That's a great take by a comic mastermind. And again, I, I love listening to white women just complain about shit. It's so fucking funny. There's listen, I I just have this thing. First of all, the the thing about Caitlyn Jenner is, didn't she give a big speech about how we can't make jokes about her? That she can handle it and she can have fun with it. I mean. The laws of physics say for every action, there is a reaction. It's not possible to do something so high profile and then not have a, a reaction to it. You were Bruce Jenner yesterday. Today you are Caitlyn Jenner. And we're supposed to be like, just roll with it? I mean, it's just, listen, dude, I'm fine with anybody dressing up however the fuck they want to. I don't know. I don't, have I talked about this before? I probably have. And listen, if I ever repeat shit... Just understand, I did a lot of drugs back in the day. I'm, I'm fucking probably got early dementia anyways. I'm just fucking going to talk about whatever comes in my fucking skull. Dude, I don't know why we only allow trans people to dress up. Every day should be Halloween. Why do we pick only one day to dress up? We should be able to dress up every day we want and get candy, free candy, all the time from strangers. That's my fucking take on it. I don't know why we're okay. We just want people to men to dress like women, women to dress like men. Why not everybody dress like everybody? You get to dress. Hey, guess. Hey, Aaron's dressed up like a St. Louis baseball player today. He's in his thirties. He's dressing up like a baseball player. It's a little creepy, but you know what? It's Aaron, and Aaron wants to be a pro baseball player, and so we got to respect his dreams and wishes. Uh, you know, you want to dress up like a princess, go to work at fucking Foot Locker, dress like a fucking princess. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm trans-athletic. You're trans-athletic. Aaron, you're so trans-athletic. It's just ridiculous. I, I'm for dressing up however you want to, but you can't control how people are going to react to it. I, at no point did Bill Burr call him a freak, say he shouldn't do any of that stuff. And I'm really, really... Really, see, I listen, man. I am so. I am. First of all, the only thing I have to ask is, uh, the only question I have about Caitlyn Jenner is, what rapper is gonna try to fuck her? Cause there's there's one thing we know that sure life, death, taxes, and black guys love Kardashians. Those are the three constants in the fucking universe. There's something about Kardashian ass. That just black guys cannot resist. And it's going to be a matter of time before someone tries to <laughs> go balls deep on Caitlyn Jenner. And here are the nominees. <laughs> here we go. The nominees are DMX. Biz Marquee. <laughs> and Coolio. <laughs> and the dark horses, flavor flav. Those four are you. I'll take those four versus the field, right? If I had to say those four guys, those four rappers versus the field, who is gonna fuck Caitlyn Jenner? And you know, I I'm going Coolio. He lives in Los Angeles. He's somewhat respectable. He's saying, "Come along and ride on the fantasy at a Clippers game." I mean, he's somewhat still in the mix. Could use a big bump. Caitlyn Jenner and Coolio on the E! Channel. 
Just trying to make it work. Just two lovers trying to make it work. That's my thing. All right, so that's my hot take on that shit. Uh, listen, there was a really good, uh, you know, uh, real quick about, uh, and one more thing about this, this whole, uh, so, uh, this whole thing about Caitlyn Jenner and uh, Bill Burr. Uh, some guy on Facebook, which was really interesting. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about this. This guy went on. This guy, this guy on Facebook went and, no, that's not what I want to talk about. Where the fuck is this? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, so this guy on Facebook. Sorry about that weird moment. Uh, Narcio Ott is his last name. Obviously, not from an English-speaking country. No, I don't know. Uh, this guy goes on my friend Christine Levine's uh, feed because she asked this, "What's the outrage about this?" And he did something really interesting. He went through Twitter, right, and he just put in Bill Burr, Caitlyn Jenner to see what was it about, and he goes. Uh, I'm going to read his post. He goes, by the way, I did a Twitter research of Bill Burr, Caitlin, and what you'll find is 99% is just magazines and blogs writing, did he go too far? Which goes back to my whole thing, which is, I uh, everyone, and this is going to sound really controversial, not controversial, but crazy. People always say, we're too sensitive. I don't agree with that. I just think that... The media and the blogs, they just retweet each other's shit all over. Like, here, everyone's over here on the right. The blogs and the media are all over here on the left. And it's just some vicious circle where they just keep going around and around and around and around. And, they, like, they're retweeting their thing. And, oh, is this angry? Oh, is that angry? Did Ma Time Magazine say that? Did uh, uh, SexyFeminist.com say that? And they just keep it just keeps going back but it seems like it's the most important thing because it's all you see on television and in Huffington Post and all that stuff when in reality nobody gives a fuck people just want to make a buck have a beer and get their dick wet that's all they want after that they don't give a shit nobody cares but there's a really good article on uh on uh theatlantic.com it's uh it's and it's about are we coddling children and how they're talking about how professors in college are getting really nervous that these kids are so neo-Nazi liberal now. They're so overly sensitive. And that they take everything personal. And that we're protecting them from words. You know, because somebody brought some... There was this doctor on uh, Bill Maher, and he was talking about how she was talking about how kids today don't have a war. There's no Vietnam for them to rage against. So now what their rage is, political correctness, which is anything they don't like. These kids, they don't know anything. They don't know what to get angry at, so this is all they have. So MTV, have you ever tried to watch MTV's like PSAs? They're unbearable. They're um, they ran a PSA one time. There was such, it's just, you grow up and be a giant twat. That's what should be the name of the PSA. Get overly sensitive about anything that might infer somebody having prejudice. Not even saying it, maybe a thought of saying it. It's like, do you want to be a twat when you grow up? And that's basically what this article is. It's, uh, if you want to put the, if you want Google and read it, it's really good. It's called The Coddling of America. And uh, it's basically by uh, George. Oh, I'm not even going to say their name. But they go in about how these kids, they're just overly sensitive. And they and Jerry Seinfeld kind of got into about how his daughter doesn't know really what sexism and racism is. She just hears buzzwords and goes fucking crazy. And that's really what it is. So I'm saying this. If you're 
in college, I don't want to hear what your thoughts are on racism and sexism because you haven't experienced yet. I've been through college. I thought college was going to be life. No, college is the golden years of your life where all you're doing is fucking and drinking and occasionally you have to do some multiple choice tests where the answer is pretty obvious and you get a B and you get through life and you'll never use anything you learned in college in real life. You just get a degree that says you were a sucker. I went to college. I banged the chicks. That's all it says is I fucked these people who went to this this college at this time. I have a, you know what I want to do? I want to, I want to do what Israel does where they make everybody join the military, but not join the military. I want to make it so everybody in this country has to work the graveyard shift at Denny's for one fucking year. Everybody. I don't want to hear your views on comedy. If you haven't worked a shit ass job in your life, you have to work one year doing the graveyard shift at Denny's and you can experience fucking humanity at its worst. And then you tell me if you're sensitive about black jokes and gay jokes and Asian jokes and Mexican jokes. If everybody worked at Denny's for one year, the world would be such a better place. If you have got shit on your chest for one year for minimum wage and the fucking 5% tip on a fucking $30 check, we'll see if you really are worried about people's feelings then. If you have not worked a shit job where you feel completely underappreciated and sexually harassed by your boss and fucking screamed and fucking threatened by violence by drunk cholos at fucking two in the morning, then you should not be telling me about what I can and cannot say on fucking stage. I'm sorry I was yelling, dude. It was really rude. But I'm just, I'm so tired of children who've lived no life. And you know who I blame it all on? These goddamn marketers. These fucking, and I'm going to get into that too. I'm going to get into that. So that was my rant on that. I don't want to hear from you. If you're a fucking 20-year-old white girl, if you look like you're a writer at BuzzFeed, I don't want to hear your fucking mouth. I'm so tired of this town. The only way you work in this town is if you're biracial, bisexual, with a fucking funky haircut. That's the only, like, I I love commercials. It's like me and my half-black Japanese friend are hanging out at IHOP. We're enjoying the big Grand Slam. It's like, where do you find these fucking people? So that's my story. Okay, that was it. Um... That was a nice long rant. Okay, that's perfect. This is all working out good. I have a couple things I want to get into, and then uh, we're going to all go home. Uh, I want to talk about the 19, like 85 to about 95 music and how I think that decade could could bang with anybody in terms of music. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because, obviously, uh, Straight Out Compton just came out, NWA, which I loved back in the day. I used to love that shit. Uh, I I only knew like one family of black people, the Handys. Uh, they were the nice people. Uh, Ursula, uh, Candy, Handy. I forget what her name was. She was so hot. She had the biggest black tits I've ever seen. Like, the first time I like I I grew up listening to Motown. My dad. I loved rap and hip hop early. I loved black women very early. I remember watching Good Times and the sister on there with the fattest chocolate rack I've ever seen. I fucking. I dude, I instantly knew when I was young that I wanted black tits. I just knew that. 
I just, I just, big fat junk, fat black junk. I fucking love it. I've always loved it. NWA was great. I think they, were, I think they were good. I, I have my own personal opinions on the effect they had on society, and I don't think it's all positive. I think it ushered in a, a gangbang mentality that glorified, and I thought that was done systematically uh, for uh, privatized prisons. That's a whole nother story. I don't want to get into it, but I love it. I love that my generation of what I consider my music, because I was about 12 when all that stuff started going down, okay? Uh, and I was first discovering music, and this is what I'm really excited about. I got into... I bought my first ever tapes. Guess what they were? Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. That was my first introduction to music. And L.A. Guns, just because it had guns in it. And I thought, hey, if I'm getting Guns N' Roses, I should get L.A. Man. And now I heard the, the, the rumors that Slash and Axl Rose are getting together, which could mean a reunion. And I'm sorry, that could be the greatest thing I've ever fucking heard in a long time. I mean, the thought of them getting back together and everyone's like, money grab. It's just a money grab. You know what? Here's my $100. I'm Give me two tickets, $200. Please take my money. If I can see Appetite for Destruction live. Because uh, Dana did uh, Velvet Revolvers video back in the day. And so she was friends with the, the manager a velvet revolver. Fun story about Dana. If you go to the big book uh, about the the uh, MTV, the, how it started, Dana Marshall, my girlfriend, is in the book. She is the one who told, because she was like interning at the time, that they should put Guns N' Roses concert on television on MTV. She was told they'll do it. If it bombs, she's fired. So she fought to get Guns N' Roses on television. So she goes and sees Velvet Revolver that had the lead singer of uh, what's what's Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple uh, Scott Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland, dude, it is the greatest concert I've ever seen live because it was at the Whiskey, and it, which it's a small place, three hundred people yeah. to see basically Guns and Roses with the lead singer Stone Temple Pilot, and they shredded and they started doing. All the Guns N' Roses song, and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. So if they got together, you know how dumb you have to be not to get together? Guns N' Roses literally never has to write another song ever. And they can just play Appetite for Destruction for the rest of their life. The rest of their life. They could literally play this one hour album twice in one concert. They're like, hey man, we got done. You want to hear it again? Here we go. One more time. Second verse, same as the first. And then they just do the, uh, the, the whole Appetite for Destruction again. They will sell out uh, stadiums doing this tour. Easily, how many billions of dollars would they make doing a world tour for about three years? And just sing. And the deal has to be, I don't talk to you. You don't talk to me. We never have to talk. You just do your part of the song. I'll do my part of the song. We'll do the closest thing to jazz we could do. We'll try to play the same song at the same time, and we'll just fucking go. And we're gonna make fucking stacks on stacks. I would, dude. I would. I would have to go see that concert a couple times. That band was so good, so good. I'm sorry, but that decade, 
that decade from 85 to 95 is the greatest time of music because it was this weird thing where like all these different genres were really starting to click. Rock and roll was still big, hadn't died off yet. Grunge was just coming out, Pearl Jam, uh, Nirvana, which I got to see Pearl Jam and Soundgarden on acid at Lollapalooza where they had Ice Cube and the, 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 the last band was Red Hot Chili Peppers dropping acid, watching flames coming out of there. Dude, living life like a champion. I'm just like, I'm a golden god! I thought that was going to be life forever. So that was a great time. All that music went out. Now you're like, when did it go bad? And I can tell you the exact moment. I remember as a kid realizing something bad had just happened in 95, around 95, I want to say. I think people are going to Google this. I don't know the exact time this happened. But it all went to shit when Britney Spears appeared on Rolling Stone magazine. I'm telling you right now, people think I'm crazy, but that was the moment in which corporations took over music. And I was just in Vegas. Did I tell you, did you see, do you follow me on Instagram? I'm not on Instagram. You motherfucker. It's Twitter? Like jazz to me. Have you seen it? Uh, Have you, no. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, you're on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see I got a, like a $25 penthouse at the Flamingo? Thanks to hotels tonight, a twenty-five. <laughs> dude, we go in, we we drive in, we go to uh, we go to the front desk. It's and we're at the Flamingo, which is the best hotel. It's like midnight. The line's out the door to the front desk. We go there. They I got it for twenty-five dollars. But Vegas, and this is why I hate Vegas. Corporations have put on a resort fee. Have you seen this? Which yeah. is double your almost double your price. It's twenty-eight dollars resort fee. So you think you're getting this good deal, and it's not $20. But I got this, basically, this hotel room for $25. So she gives us a room. We go up. We're going past single door, single door. Come up to our room, 101. Double doors. We're like, what the fuck? We open it. Ah! Giant Pablo Escobar penthouse at the Flamingo for $25. Wow. Right? You don't see that anymore. Because music is like Vegas. It was better when the mob ran it, right? Corporations, they nickel and dime you forever. Like, I went and got a slice of pizza. It was $3. They're like, you want Coke? I'm like, yeah. Guess how much Coke was? $3. Wow. That's how they get you. They get you with the super deal, and then they nail you with stupid fucking overpriced. So this is, that's what happened with music. Corporations took it over, right? And they started forcing on you what you, marketers. Marketers have ruined everything. They've ruined everything. They they basically said, guys don't matter. Everything's women and children. All entertainment now is geared towards women or children. And women love it, and I'm fine with that. I get it. I would love it, too, if it was geared towards me. But it's all women and children. They've ruined it. It's just, it just sucks. I hate marketers. When everyone anyone comes up to me and is like, ah, I like, I always, hey, this is my friend. She's going to college. What are you going to college for? Marketers. I, I literally walk off in disgust. Because it's, it's just completely manipulated the country. See, the problem is, like, people look at television and, the, and they think that that is what is, that's the truth out there. But they don't realize that in television, every word being said there is being bought and sold by marketing, by corporations. So it's not what's true and right. It's what they want you to know. And what they want you to know is what they think you want to hear. Because women are 70% of the buying power. So it's not about saying what's real and what's truthful. It's like, 
we want you to like us, so we're going to tell you what you want to hear. So when you go to the store, you buy our products. Why do you think you can watch a commercial and a guy gets punched in the face? Have you seen that Haynes commercial where they're like, Walker, text Ranger, and the guy roundhouse kicks the dude in the face and everyone laughs? That's, that's violent. But women like that because it's funny to see a guy get kicked in the face. And then all, now my favorite thing is like all these like corporate spokespeople are scumbags. Like Jared from Subway, which I knew someone was up. You look in those eyes. Nobody's that perfect. And Bill Cosby. My favorite thing about Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby is the black people what George Bush is the white people. And that some people refuse to admit they're assholes. Have you ever met that? Like, there are black people out there that don't think Bill Cosby is a rapist, and they refuse to accept it. Just like there's white people out there that actually think George Bush was a good president and was good for the country. You're in denial. You're supporting an asshole. But I love, uh, this is my favorite thing. I was talking about this on stage. It's just like these corporate, like these pitchmen for these commercials, they're all scumbags. Tiger Woods, right, for Nike. Raw dog and Waffle House waitresses, right? Jo- Bill Cosby, raping bitches, spokesman for Jell-O. Jared from Subway being Jared from Subway, right? Which makes you wonder what the Burger King's up to. Where's the fucking bodies, Burger King? You shady BK guy. Or how about Flo from Progressive and that weird rodeo clown makeup? What are you, blowing the interns in the back? She looks like she pops pills. Anybody else got that feeling? She's a pill popper, like she's in Florida with eight scripts from eight different doctors, just popping Vikings, Vicodins all over the place. Ah, nobody's with me on that one? Carl's, how about Jack in the Box? What's going on behind the mask? Why do I feel you're at home naked? Hiding your dick between your legs, running around yelling, I'd fuck me, in the mirror. Or how about the Dos Equis guy? You, the most interesting man in the world? I, I think we gotta do an intervention on this motherfucker. Every time I see him, he's like, I don't drink beer often. Bullshit. Every time I see you, you got a bottle of Mexican piss in your hand. And what's with the hookers? Every time you see this guy, he's got hookers. Oh, they're your, they're your friends, they like your story, old man? Really? Old man? I know hookers when I see hookers. I don't know how you're affording four at a time. Does Groupon have prostitution? Wouldn't that grave you get a like a four pack of snatch? I'm on to you. So that was my story. Uh, okay, we're wrapping up. Whoa, we're wrapping up. Uh, we got about ten minutes. I'm gonna do two things and we'll close it out. I um. Like a lot of time, I don't know about you guys, but some I'm really hard on myself. I beat myself up a lot, and I, uh, you know, and I'm kind of somewhat of a cliche because sometimes I like to, you know, just go on the internet and look for like shit to kind of motivate me to get going. And uh, I was looking this up the other day, and I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to like find ways to inspire me to work harder. What, what are the answers to my problems in life? I, you know, I, I'm re- I have a lot of uh, stumbling blocks in front of me and sometimes it trips me up. I got to lift myself up. I got to, got to keep going. I I'm constantly uh, at war with, with my head. I'm always at war with my head and I'm always 
overthinking everything and why why the why the the, the simple people out there seem to get everything and they just kind of go through life enjoying not overthinking that I'm constantly overthinking everything to the point I handicap and cripple myself because I can't stop thinking and that's a big problem why I turn to drugs you know I turn to drugs and turn off the head turn off the voice in my head the constant overanalyzing of my life every moment of uh, every waking moment of my life and I'm, I'm like I'm kind of over it uh, sorry about that. We had this great rant, and I just it went to shit. Um, but my point is, like, I try to go on the internet and try to find things that I uh, that inspire me. So one day I'm looking up motivational things, and up comes this thing: Arnold Schwarzenegger's motivation, and uh, it's the six rules of success, a speech he gave, and I think it's fucking amazing. And I want to play it for you, and then I will talk about it real quick. It's a four-minute video. Can we? Is that going to be weird? I think we should play it. So here we go. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger's motivations. Six rules of success. I hope you enjoy this because I was listening to it. I'm like, this is amazing. So here it is. Now, of course, people ask me all the time. They say to me, what is the secret to success? The first rule is trust yourself. But what is most important is that you have to dig deep down, dig deep down and ask yourselves, who do you want to be? Not what, but who? And I'm talking about not what your parents and teachers want you to be, but you. I'm talking about figuring out for yourselves what makes you happy, no matter how crazy it may sound to the people. So rule number one is, of course, trust yourself, no matter how and what anyone else thinks. And of course, rule number two is break the rules. We have so many rules in life about everything. I say break the rules, not the law, but break the rules. It is impossible to be a maverick or a true original if you're too well behaved and not want to break the rules. You have to think outside the box. That's what I believe after all. What is the point of being on this earth if all you want to do is be liked by everyone and avoid trouble? The only way that I ever got any place was by breaking some of the rules. Which of course brings me to rule number three. Don't be afraid to fail. Anything I've ever attempted, I was always willing to fail. You can't always win, but don't be afraid of making decisions. You can't be paralyzed by fear of failure or you will never push yourself. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. And you know that it is the right thing to do and success will come. So don't be afraid to fail. Which brings me to rule number four, which is don't listen to the naysayers. I mean, how many times have you heard that you can't do this and you can't do that and it has never been done before? As a matter of fact, I love it when someone says that never, no one has ever done this before because then when I do it, that means that I'm the first one that has done it. So pay no attention to the people that say it can't be done. I always listen to myself and said, yes, you can. And that brings me to rule number five, which is the most important rule of all, of all. Work your butt off. Now, if I always believe, leaving no stone unturned. Muhammad Ali, one of my great heroes, had a great line in the 70s when he was asked, how many sit-ups do you do? He said, I don't count my sit-ups, I only start counting when it starts hurting, when I feel pain, 
that's when it's not counting because that's when it really counts. That's what makes you a champion. That's the way it is with everything. No pain, no gain. But let me tell you, it is important to have fun in life, of course. But when you're out there partying, horsing around, someone out there at the same time is working hard. Someone is getting smarter and someone is winning. Just remember that. But if you want to win, there's absolutely no way around hard, hard work. None of my rules, by the way, of success will work unless you do. I've always figured out that there's 24 hours a day. You sleep six hours. They have 18 hours left. Now, I know there's some of you out there now and says, well, wait a minute, I sleep eight hours or nine hours, but well, then just sleep faster, I would recommend. Just remember, you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in a pocket. And that takes me to rule number six, which is a very important rule. It's about giving back. Whatever path that you take in your lives, you must always find time to give something back. Something back to your community, give something back to your state or to your country. Let me tell you something, reaching out and helping people will bring you more satisfaction than anything else you've ever done. Remember those six rules. Trust yourself, break some rules, don't be afraid to fail. More than they say is, work like hell and give something back. That, my friend, is awesome. I'm sorry. That shit gets me going. I love that. I, it's it's funny coming from that voice, though. You're like, hey, yeah, okay, you sound weird, but I'll go with it. You know? All you can think when you hear that voice is, it's not the tumor. But it's true, man. You got to believe yourself. Can't play by the rules and that. So I hope that inspired you. Now, listen. I listen to it. I listen to this, like, once a week. It, it just It's something that I really enjoy. Uh, I, if you thought it was cheesy, I'm sorry about that. I just enjoyed it. Now, if you guys know of cool videos, I'd love to play them on this podcast. If you guys know of stuff that I think people would really enjoy hearing that kind of gets them out of their head and uh, helps them take on the world and fight, 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 uh, hit me up and let me know. I'll play it and I'll give you some. Uh, I'll give you credit and I'll give you a shout out and I'll shout your Twitter and all that stuff. So that was our show. I think we had a great show today. I'm gonna br- I'm gonna go out uh, playing a track from my buddy Yigisian. We'll go out there. Uh, I'm going to try to do this more often than not. I like ranting. It's like it it pushes me to write new material. And I, so I try to come up with one thing a day that I can rant about at the beginning of Monday. I'll, I'm going to put this podcast out. Uh, again, if you're going to be in uh, Phoenix, I will be there the second week of September. I can't believe it's already September, right? I mean, it's just flying makes me think I'm going to die soon. I know it sounds very morbid, but it's like it's going so quickly. I can't believe it's almost 2016. Is that mind-blowing? That means we're four years away from 2020. It was just 2000. It is crazy that 2005 is back in the day. How crazy is that? Back in the day, 2005. All right. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed Twisted. I, if anybody listens to this, one, I'd love your feedback. Let me know positive, negative, that I'm Miranda, all that stuff. I love positive, constructive. No, not, it doesn't have to be positive. It actually just needs to be constructive criticism. I would like to make this show bigger, better, faster, stronger. Um, if you guys can, whether it's this show, the International Bad Boys Hour, 
uh, go on iTunes, rate and review. It means a lot to us. Any, it could be like Sam is flaming bag of dog shit. As long as it's five stars, I'll take it. Uh, so check that out. I also um, want to know what you guys' feelings are. If like if I find some cool podcasts, if they if I put them on my uh, my feed, so you guys can hear some other great podcasts. Great minds, birds of a feather flock together. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So uh, that's what I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, please hit us up. We'd love it. I'm going to record a International Bad Boys in a few, um, a little in a few hours, but I'm going to put this out before that. And uh, here is taking us out is my good friend, uh, Alexi. And this is his band, Yegikian. That's Y-E-G-H-I-K-I-A-N. Uh, this song is called Wit, The Witch. And I listened to it at the Troubadour, and it is fucking phenomenal. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, we'll see you hopefully next week on the next Twisted, guys. I love you guys very much. You guys are the best fans in the world. Please like me on Instagram, at Sam Tripoli, T-R-I-P-O-L-I, and we'll see you next week.